Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Scandinavia! (laughs) Oh, yeah? That's just a song I made up. I wish I had looked up some Scandinavian music. Could get some, uh, maybe we'll play some Norwegian death metal. Scandinavia! I just feel like that's the way they say it over there. They sing it. I'm not convinced. Scandinavia! Scandinavia! (laughs) They yell it at you. Angry. I, I don't think they're German. I know it's not Russia, or, but it's like <laughs> close to Russia, you know. No, I think it's more like Swedish chef. Yes. Kind of. Jürgen Bergen. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's nice. Jürgen Bergen. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm sorry, everyone. Um, this is how we're starting our Scandinavian beer episode. Yes. Unprofessionally. <laughs> and, and, uh, but what else yeah. would you expect from yeah. the two of us? So welcome everyone yeah. to the Scandinavian beers episode. This is False Bottom Girls. And I don't know. I guess you probably you're know that. Jen. And, and you're, you're Rachel. Jen and I'm Rachel. <laughs> we decided that we're, we, we know our voices really well, but sometimes we might need to remind people. So in an effort of being confusing, she's Jen. And she's Rachel, <laughs> but I'm Jen, but I'm Rachel. Right. So don't mess that up. Got it. So we're talking about Scandinavian beers today. Why? Because I need to study for my master Cicerone test. And that is on the syllabus. And that is what you get when you listen to false bottom girls. <laughs> but also, but also Scandinavian beers are, um, they're really interesting. And that's, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's the the styles that we'll talk about today, specifically Sati and Gotlandstrika. Both of those, it seems like American craft brewers recently discovered, uh, but it is a very American mindset to stumble upon something that has existed for a very, very long time and say that you discovered yeah. it. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because hopefully it's new, it's new no to you. one <laughs> in America thinks they discovered shit. But right, definitely right. sati. Like, come on. Like, right. you know what? Oh, let me make this beer you've never heard of that I Googled about on the internet. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it yeah, just a, a quick reminder that just because it's new to so many people, and there are a lot of styles, you know, there Scandinavian styles that are that so are new many. to American brewers. That doesn't mean so that many. they are new or discovered. Oh, yeah. They have been it, around. History's got its place everywhere. And one thing when I was researching about these beers is there are so many different styles that they put like brew over there. And most of them are a spin off styles from other in the country. So it's not a total like, you know, foreign style list of beer, but right. um, very interesting. Um, they do have their own things going on. So Scandinavia is made up of Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Um, I did some diving into beers in Norway and of Sweden. And we're also going to talk specifically about Baltic Porter, uh, Sati, and Gratlandstikra. How do you say it? Gratlandstrik. Gratlandstrik. 
Dricka? Are you going to let me say it? Sorry. Sorry. I just <laughs> it. Okay. Got Landstricka. Dricka. Dricka. And yes. Dricka for short. So as I. Which, yeah, found. Dricka meaning drink because yeah. Gotlandstrika means beer or drink from Gotland. Yes. The Gotlandic Island. The, yes. It's a Gotlandic, it's the island of Gotland. Correct. And it's a Gotlandic drink. Sorry. It's a lot of, yes. it's a tongue twister. <laughs> but anyways, so what do I want to start with? I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with talking about just a little bit about beer in general in Norway and Sweden, and then jump into the styles. Sweet. So, and this is like modern time, Norway, not historical. So Norway, not Vikings, not Vikings, but we'll get to the Vikings. Hey, there's Vikings that, that got land strict. The Dricka is supposed to be a drink of the Vikings. So it's, it's supposed to have been around for a long time. Interesting. Um, so anyway, beers in Norway, they, uh, every, where you go, state, federal, um, every country, they have their own sort of alcohol laws, right? They have a way they dictate alcohol, who they're going to sell it to and where they're going to sell it. So in Norway, they put beers into f- uh, four different classes, class A through D. Um, and just a quick run through, just to give you an idea, class A is going to be like the lowest of the alcohol, almost a alcohol-free beer, um, your non-alcoholic stuff for better argument. And it's not taxed more than like a general food item would be. Um, it can be sold anywhere, anytime and bought by anyone. So this is like a malt drink probably. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I'm looking at your notes and it says that the ABV is less than 0.7%. So that's yes, like a, yeah, really low. Yeah. Like I feel like you could buy like sauerkraut or anything for We're talking about sherry the- that you get from the grocery store. Right. Like, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be, I, I do remember someone giving me a hard time one time. I, I guess I was yeah. over 21 about buying it? cooking, sh- cooking sherry. For, yes. I, I get, I mean, I guess I was under 21 because I probably just would have shown my idea, but I was so confused. And- yeah, you're right. I remember buying something weird and I think it was some sort of baking thing where they're like, I need to see your ID. And I was just like, which is not true what? here in America. You can buy yeah. your cooking, Sherry. I don't care how old you are. Anyways, yes. I also but- always get carded when I buy non-alcoholic, like the Lagunitas. <laughs> they're like, wait, hop water. Is this they- a trick? Hop water. Right. And, <laughs> like when I buy the hop water, they will always add because they see the Lagunitas and I don't yes. know if it's also just in their system, like when they ring it up, but they'll uh, be, I need to see your ID for this. And I'm not an asshole. So I'm just yeah. sure here you go. Uh, but I'm always like, it says non-alcoholic on there. Yeah. Anyway, I and, digress. And don't get me wrong. There is a difference between non-alcoholic and alcohol free, yes. like non-alcoholic beer does have a little bit of alcohol content in it, but I'm going to go ahead and on a limb here and say this hot water is alcohol free. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. So it's just, yeah, even, it's carbonated even, it's, water. It's literally with, water. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's carbonated water with like hop oil added. Yeah. So anyways, back to our, our classes, class B anyway. is just kind of the next step up, kind of your low ABV beer points, 0.7 to uh, 2.75. And this is considered light beer and it's lightly taxed. Uh, I'm assuming that just means a little bit more than a food product. It could be sold anywhere, anytime with an age limit of 18. And then your next class up class C, um, doesn't really seem like there's any sort of difference between where or who can buy it of class B, just a higher alcohol category. So I'm not sure why that's a different class. You know, it says 2.75% 
through 3.75% as class C. Yeah. And it's not in common use, apparently. Um, yeah. And like 3.75% is still like, even here, it would, it's like an incredibly light beer. Like that's, it not almost just doesn't seem like this class is necessary. Right. I, I, I don't like- have it in my notes, but it might just be higher ta- taxed. True. I, I feel like it would be, it's hard to brew a beer that's between 2.75 and 3.75%. Yeah. Like you can do Seriously. it, but you have to kind of work at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is hard. Um, and then class D has your higher alcohol stuff. Uh, well, not that much higher. Anything between 3.75 and 4.75 is considered standard strength. It's taxed more than the other beers. The age limit is 18. Um, sales are subject to local regulation. So this is just your more common. Uh, this is going to have a state tax on it. This is your common beer, right? Um, you can only purchase it for what is that 10 p.m. on weekdays and uh yeah you're right um why i cannot uh 6 p.m. on saturdays what's up with saturday it's a party it's a day to party (laughs) why why are you cutting off beer sales of less than five percent alcohol yeah that is that is very it just must be a religious thing like everyone i don't think they're terribly religious but i wonder if it's an age thing yeah like or, you don't want the you don't want 18 year olds out drinking after 6 p.m yeah. on saturday i don't know because on the weekdays you could stay all the way at 10 p.m i don't know maybe they don't celebrate saturdays <laughs> <laughs> i have been to um like i was in belfast once and everything everything closed so early every night this is just the way the town was. So I don't know. Maybe there's that. But, and then you have a little bit higher um, level. Anything that's over 4.75% is considered strong beards, normally just sold through their government controlled liquor stores. But the age limit over there is 18 through and through. Whereas it's like Sweden, that in a lot of places, isn't it? Uh, I, yeah. In Europe, Sweden, um, they have kind of the same classification of beers not the same but like a classification of beers and whereas you know the lower 2.25 is considered light beverage no age restriction so i mean alcohol of 2.25 is kind of a lot for a no age restriction right but that does seem opinion. like a very european i mean we're sure we have puritanical roots right so but then a lot of be- places in europe you can like it's not uncommon or wasn't uncommon for you know, children to drink super light yeah super light abv um again going back to that it was safer than water sort of thing and having like table beers and stuff and you know the same thing in places like france and that's very much wines that's very much the story of the drica too that was a drink made for anyone to consume but in sweden they have uh, anything higher than 3.5 um may only be sold in like their liquor stores to people who are above 20 or in pubs if you're 18. So you can go to the pub, but you can't go to the store and take it home. So I don't until you're 20. But so it's just kind of just to show how things are different over there, how different countries classifies different alcohol. Um, they're, uh, they all brew, I was looking for the list of, okay. So I have this cool list of Norwegian beers that I found and, you know, 
of course, the most popular style, pretty much just like every other country is going to be your light, pale lager, Pilsner style. And that's all available. Um, in Denmark, the two top breweries are really Carlsberg and, and Turbog. And Carlsberg even bought Torbog. So it's really just Carlsberg. And so, which is a light Carlsberg lager. So, but there are your small commercial microbreweries, especially more now than ever that have popped up. Um, I think I read in about for Denmark, there's about, you know, 300 or so like there it's hard competition. Don't get me wrong. So you have such a dominant market market, but there are your craft breweries popping up in these places. And just like going through some of these beers, I found made in Norwegian commercial breweries. Um, there was one called, let's see, the, the buyer, the buyer's the dark lager with roots in Bavarian. So this is probably a spin off their German dark lager. You know, this is uh, these, as in with many countries, even at most example of America, we all put like to put our own spin on everything, right? And kind of give it our own interpretation. So that is no different in Nor Norway. They have um, lots of different sp styles that spin off current styles and even things that might be usually unique to them. Um, one being like the Kavik yeast, I feel like is a very, at least to me, the Kavik learning about it, this was a Norwegian string. This came from, you know, Norway. So I assuming this is some sort of, I, I've used this Kavik yeast. It's a very fast yeast. I don't really know much about it other than. It sounds like a podcast episode. Yeah, yeah it does dive into Kavik yeast. Yes. I produce it. It's been, it, it has made really great IPA for us. It just likes to go fast and will produce nice tropical esters and um, likes high temperatures or can handle high temperatures, which is why it can go so much faster. So they're making different beers using that Kavik yeast out there. And even they have their own, um, you know, hazy pale ales and IPAs. They're making the same beers over there that they're making over here um, just in their own way. So I will say quickly about Kvik, and we will talk about it more in our upcoming episode on it, but when we're talking about that, it's actually not a single strain the same way that, um, you know, you buy like a Hefeweizen yeast. Yeah. So Kvik is still wow. very much a, like a, not, I, I don't want to say a wild yeast, but it yeah. is a combination of a lot of strains that they're just now starting to tease out. So that's why you can buy things like, um, Javaru, I think, is the only strain that the Javaru is the farmhouse okay. where that strain came from. And the owner of that strain sold it to Omega Yeast. Um, uh, so you might have Hornendal, you know, and like the um, Lutra is the newest Vike yeast where you can make like a pseudo lager. So as they were teasing apart Vike's strains, they found that Lutra was the one or the one that they named Lutra was the one that was giving those like the very clean characteristics. So they isolated ah. that and then developed it. And that's why that's the yeast strain that you use when you want to make the like the pseudo lager. So you want to make a lager. You don't have the capability to make a lager. And so you can use this Kvike yeast that will give you a very lager like finish. But oh. we will talk about that in our upcoming episode. I did just want to point out. Yeah, I like the that. purposes of this discussion that Kvike yeast is 
actually not not the single strain that we're used to. Yeah, and that, that will kind of tie into our our discussion in a little bit about about yeast strains. Yeah, so. probably the best thing to come out of Norway. Just kidding. <laughs> Listen, Norway is I just, at I think the top also- of my le- of my list oh, of no, places Norway I want to go. What is yeah. that huge? Um, there's a beer festival that's there. Um, if only I had a computer at my fingertips, I could look it up. But no. there's a big festival in Norway every year that I is like on my list of wanting to go there. Actually, they do a as a beer competition is what I'm thinking of. They do a national world competition or beer competition for Sati. They also do one for the Drika, like on their island, like a big, almost like a big thing they do every year. Oh, so, how fun. Yeah. But uh, let's, do, let's like dive into the styles. There's a lot you can look up on Norway and the history of Sweden. And I have some notes. I'm not going to dive into like all the history. It's kind of pretty similar to the rest of beer history, you know, Women brewed all the beer for their farmstead. It was very big deal. You were, you were uh, greatly judged on how good your beer was. So it was very much a um, pride of the woman in the, or of her chores in the household until the uh, revolution. So same story. You know, we got women brewing until men take over. Norway today, I think, is uh, kind of funny. Uh, has a pay-to-play market so if you want your beers to go into your nightclubs or pubs you typically are buying the required equipment you need to have your beer there so and that's not legal here in the united states although it happens i was about to say yeah it's not (laughs) legal but it's very much a thing that no one gives about over there so use it to their advantage no one cares about it over here either when you're the big guy yeah it would suck like it would be hard to have growth as a brewery my size in a place like that, you know, mm-hmm. like I can't even imagine how to play that game. But so specifically, we're here to talk about Baltic Porter, Sati and the Drica. And we're going to start with Baltic Porter. Baltic Porter is probably definitely a style you've heard of more than the other two I've mentioned. I had um, a Baltic Porter last night. Nice. Which one did you have? So I had a Baltic Porter last night from Burning Blush Brewery, which is in Mills River, North Carolina. So it's just a little bit past Sierra Nevada. It's a super cool spot. And I, it's called I'd Follow You Through the Dark. And it's, it was really, really nice. interesting. And I, at the time, it, it had totally escaped my mind that we were talking about Baltic Porters today, or I would have spent a little bit more time thinking about it instead of just drinking it. But it was very good. Nice. Yeah, I like Bach Porter. It's uh, definitely one of those more complicated styles uh, to, you know, it, just to dive into what it is right now. It's just a a, a porter that got one it's made you know, one in of the, the Baltic, times, made in the Baltic <laughs> Not, or, or you have Baltic style porter, which will be made here in America. But I, I the I remember one time you telling me we we're you're talking about um, like river, uh, not Riverman, sorry, uh, Riverbend Malt House. And they were expanding or they, you know, they were trying to make more types of malt. And he's, and the guy was like, I want to make every type of malt that you need for a Baltic Porter. And I just thought that was a really interesting, cool way to kind of describe Baltic Porter. Cause like, right. <laughs> try to think about everything without maybe a roast character. So now we have like this dark ale that's got like some fruity characters and that I, I keep trying to not jump ahead of myself because Baltic Porter 
can be can have an ale or a lager yeast strain, right? So this is going to bring out different characters of that porter. But uh, like anything, Baltic porters, we'll just go back. We'll start with the history a little bit. Um, we're talking about the 1700s where porter is very popular in London and uh, breweries there are starting to ship more of this beer out through the Baltic seas to different ports like, you know, Russia, uh, Estonia, Latvia, uh, Sweden, Finland, you know, Norway, all these different places. And, you know, this beer, so like very similar to IPA, in order to make this beer stable for travel, they need to kind of increase the alcohol a little bit, maybe increase the hopping rates, make this beer a little bit more shelf stable. So now we're sending out bigger, stronger versions of porter to these areas and it's very much liked especially by royalty and Catherine the Great at the time really took a big liking to these uh beers so one of the styles that kind of came from that would be like in a Russian imperial stout um as well as Baltic porter uh so stout was also the term for strong porter as well so we're not they're not really thinking about stout in the terms of style. They're more of like, well, this is porter, but stronger. It's more stout, right? Right. So, I was going to say, yeah, stout yeah. was a um, denoted strength because you could also have a pale stout. Yes. It was just the, it was basically like color, alcohol strength. Yeah. So not to be confused with like stout style, as you know, today. Right. Um, so these are more complex beers. They have a lot of malt profile flavors. Uh, we're talking about you know, your typical base malt uh, can be pretty similar that you might find in most beers, but then you get a lot of this other dark fruited malt flavors like, man, chocolate or a little bit of crystal even or carafa or uh, aromatic malts or biscuit. I mean, like you can do so much special B, like there's so many different directions. Not special B. No. Well, Jen doesn't like special B. Everybody stop using special B. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think special B is that bad, <laughs> but, um, but you shouldn't have a roasted character. These are going to be stronger, more venuous, venuous. So, sorry for mispronouncing that word um, kind of character. You get like, a, you know, when we're first talking about when these beers are first made, they're using ale yeast strains, right? Cause that's what everyone's using. Lager is slowly starting to become, isolated and discovered and used but you get a lot of fruity characters from these ale yeast strings um today uh or when lager yeast strains were becoming available a lot of breweries switched over to these lager yeast strains why because um you know for the same reason everyone else did you have a smoother cleaner character beer that one you probably never had before so i can understand why you really like it and never want to go back but two it was allowing these beers to like you could have a longer shelf life. Like you didn't have to like consume these beers before they went sour in some right. sort of way. And I will also add a three. Yes. Um, around that time when people started using lager yeast, I almost said lager malt, lager yeast was because of Emil Christian Hansen at the Carlsberg Brewery in Denmark uh, was able to propagate single strain yeast Mm -hmm. and so he was able to make a single strain ale single strain lager because up until then people were using mostly ale yeast so it's kind of like the kvike like they were using a lot of stuff yeah and they didn't have just a pure strain so carlsberg brewery had the laboratory 
where they, you know, did a lot of research, which was completely revolutionary. And this will be part of the discussion in a little bit about yeast strains, but yeah. they which isolated <laughs> and were able to propagate, you know, the single strains. So they have that single strain lager, and then they made it available for free to anyone who wanted it. And mm-hmm. so you would just show up at the gates of the Carlsberg Brewery and they would go and get some of this lager strain for you. So like Rachel's saying, it's, you know, there's all these benefits to using lager and especially someplace like the Baltic that's going to generally be colder. So it's the lager strains are going yeah. to do well anyway. So that that is also a big part of the reason why lager yeast strains started taking off around this time. Um, I need to double check this. But in my notes, it seemed like, or in my research, it seemed like ale yeast is required when brewing Baltic Porter in Russia. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but you will lager it. So we are talking about like a hybrid style in a way where this ale yeast will like Kolsch, where you have ale that's lagered. Uh, so uh, still, like you would a lager yeast, this ale will be lagered. But uh, I, I, yeah, I need to double check that. I read that in a couple of different places and seems weird but you know mm-hmm. not really <laughs> yeah so, considering so we are talking about like a darker beer but not much less roasted and smoother than imperial stout but typically with less alcohol than imperial stout which are like what six to eight percent and six and a six and a half to nine and a half percent um for this is bjcp style guidelines because that's what we do we always talk about uh styles within bjcp um, as Jen and Rachel, so, but, uh, and as Rachel and Jen, yeah, <laughs> but we're not, but this beer should not be roasted or burnt like, uh, like a Schwartz beer might be. So we're talking about more of a characteristic ale, dark Porter Baltic style. This is a Porter with higher alcohol than normal Porter. And more fruity esters and more character, dark fruit flavors, but not roasted. I feel like that's good catch yeah. all. Um, yeah. So some really good examples. I, God, it's been a long time since I've had. See, when I worked at Capital Ale House, we, like, we had Aldera's Porter all the time. We had okay. Sim all the time. Uh, we had Stingbrykoff all the time and even Z- Zywick. Even Baltic Porter, the only actually the only one or Baltic Baltica number six, the only one we ever didn't have that I'm taking from the commercial examples of BJCP is Devil's Backbone Danzig. That's because they weren't open. Yeah, I was gonna say they didn't <laughs> exist. So that's actually the only one I've out of these few I have listed in my notes, Aldera's Porter, Baltica number six. These are classic breweries from the areas, not necessarily in like Russia. Baltic Porter. You know, it's talking about ports on the Baltic Sea. You know, there's no Baltic land. We're talking about ports um, on and off the Baltic Sea. So, yeah, I mean, there's it's definitely a summary of Baltic Porter history and just overall of the style. But um, do you have anything to add for the style in particular? I feel like I say this about almost every style we talk about, but... If you have a Baltic Porter on your menu, I am going to order it because it's one of those styles that you don't yeah. see very often. 
that uh, for that's you know for the exact reason why I had the Baltic Porter from Burning Blush last night. That if you send me yeah. a picture of your tap list and say what do you want from this tap list, and you've got a Baltic Porter on there, I'm going to say I want the Baltic Porter. Yeah, we've actually only brewed one Baltic Porter here since we've opened. I mean, it's not the style that flies off the shelf, you know. Right, and it's, because it's, I'm not there to come in and yeah. say give me the Baltic Porter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's move on. That's our first style for Scandinavian beers. And we move on to Sati. Sati this is I, one of my favorite types of beer. <laughs> I think Sati is the uh, second most known type out of these three styles. But um, Sati is definitely one of those styles not very available. When you do find American versions, I'm sure they have been very altered from a traditional way of Sati is brewed, which is fine. Uh, they probably should be because the way traditional sati is brewed doesn't sound very safe to me. <laughs> yes, so, I will say. Um, so let me ask you before we start talking about this. Um, do you like sati? Do you like it's, gin? it's okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh, it's okay. These aren't my favorite drinks. Right. By any means. But it's not I, bad. I find, like, I really, really like gin. Yeah, and I like I really, really like sati and that juniper flavor that we'll talk about in a moment is kind of the thing that has in common with that. So for anybody listening, if you are a gin drinker, um, you're probably 80 years old or you're me, uh, but you would probably really like sati. And sati is also malt forward, which yes. is another reason why gin likes it. Yes. Um, Bear Bear from Off Color Brewing in Chicago is a sati. Um, it is fairly available. Like I, I think you can get it every once in a while, even in Charlotte in Atlanta. Um, and it is probably one of my favorite beers. It's one of those beers. Again, I'll get it every time I see it. And it's got the best label of any beer label that's ever existed. So um, <laughs> if you're listening right now and you're not like driving or something, just Google off color bear bear and see what I'm talking about, because I love it. Anyway, I think, I'm I think the only one I've had is dogfish head. I think that's the only one I've had. Uh, I see. I'm going to let you continue okay. telling us about Sati okay. now that I've done my love letter to it. Okay, very good. So traditionally, this is a beer from Finland made on you know, farmhouse ale. So we're talking about beer that's made on the state that you live on for the farmhouse workers. You know, I'm going back into history because this is where the beer originated from. And today, commercial breweries don't brew this beer the way you would you know, the way it was done. So we're talking about a malted, a, a mix of malted and unmalted grains, a lot of barley and rye. The rye is a subtle character. This shouldn't taste like a caraway beer. This is just a, a little hint. Um, it's also flavored with a juniper. Um, a lot of times I think I would go ahead and say traditionally before hops were a thing, it was probably a gruit. It was all flavored with juniper and twigs or uh, different grew it additions if you will to malt, balance that malt so today you're it's very common to find hops as well as uh juniper so it's a very juniper is a traditional ingredient for this beer um in farmhouse breweries this mash would be filtered through a juniper twigs like a, a trough shaped ton they would actually place the twigs in a way where the wort could filter through them easily and not get you know stuck and and this was called i'm going to mess, mess up this word but called a kerna mm -hmm. kerna maybe kerna thank you, you. got it jen's jen's more uh knowledgeable um, with me, i like have pronunciations 
asked before if I could <laughs> make a karna so that way I could brew a sati. And every time I've asked, I've been told no. So. <laughs> yeah. Who are you asking? <laughs> um, usually Tom. I think I asked you one time too. I was like, we're going to brew a sati and here's okay. what I'm going to need. And I think the conversation was, if we I were think able I offered to, you a barrel instead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, if we were <laughs> able to hollow out a tree <laughs> to brew this, then what do we do with the kerna when we're finished <laughs> with it? And I was like, I That's don't know. Really a brew, bonfire. More, brew more sati. Like what bonfire. I deliver no. solutions, you know, maybe it will become your like, what's the, the, the ringworm, you know? Like what? your sati, you're like not the ringworm, like the, the, <laughs> not the you know, the, the, the yeast crown for oh, the, pitching like yeast. the ring? Yes. Yes. But it would be the, the kerna ring. Right. And this That'll is how you, the kerna. like, it'll just like, I'll just have some hooks yeah. or something and hang it from the ceiling. But it goes in every mash from here on out. So you can just take the character of the sati for, for the rest of your beers. And yeah. now you create a house mash character. And your Kerna. There you go. That I'm is working. Not a, that smarter, is not a thing. Smarter, <laughs> not harder. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I'm pretty sure I just curved that conversation and offered you a your an, a barrel, a bourbon barrel instead. And you're like, okay. I yes, like, oh, I think that's exactly. Crisis yeah, that you were like, here's a barrel, and I was like, oh hey, <laughs> we can do that instead. <laughs> That's a true story. And that's the art of the deal, everyone. So, you ask for yeah. something big, and then they're like, how about we could do this other thing that you've been asking for? Yeah. It's <laughs> cheaper and uh, more reasonable and doesn't scare me. Because once you once I get finished talking about how you brew this beer, you will definitely understand why I said no. Um, but not that you can't brew a nice modern version of it. But anyway, so we're talking about mashing this malted barley rye mixture flavor with juniper through the juniper twigs. Um, a lot of times, like this beer would just go from water to fermenter, like there would be no boil. Um, that is something that you should not do today. Uh, there's also there there's a couple different ways they would ferment this beer in the mash tank using baker's yeast or like baker's bread that had yeast in it they would sometimes lauder the beer and in, straight into the fermenter no boil sometimes they would use hot river rocks to heat up the beer um there's a lot of different ways that different estates or farmhouses brewed this beer uh but it should be top fermented and they would typically use a german weizen yeast or that well they would use probably what they had, but today you would want to use a German bison yeast. This should have um, character of acetylene acetate, and that's going to be your banana clove characteristics that you get from wheat ales. So that should be characteristic in this type of beer. So now we're talking about this darkish malted juniper flavored banana flavored ale. So it's going to be a little bit cloudy. It also wasn't very carbonated. Um, so the carbonation, then, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, it also typically is a raw ale if you're bringing like a traditional sati. So raw ale, meaning that it's not boiled. Like you yes. bring it, you bring it up. 
yes um to a you know to a certain level and um i'm sorry i'm saying all this and i'm looking at your notes to see that you said that no no it's cool because i'm just skipping <laughs> i'm just skipping around anyways i'm um, just talking but about yes yeah so it when you hear raw ale and that might be another we're getting all kinds of good potential topics for episodes but raw yeah. ale just means that it's not boiled which does not mean that it's not sanitized so you can sanitize uh, sanitation is what like 180 degrees 180 yeah 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 Fahrenheit. you're still killing off anything that might be potentially dangerous to you and right you're still not you're just not bringing it up to an actual yeah 212 degrees fahrenheit boil but still i don't want to do here as me makes me nervous but dogfish head did it they used hot river rocks like i think i got pulled up right here exactly what they did um let me just make sure it doesn't say anything about not being boiled. They might have boiled a little bit because it is. I it wonder, is a weird do thing. To, do you have to boil in the United States? I wonder if that's like a regulation kind of thing. Like as a commercial brewery, could you do a raw ale? We'll I save that. Feel, we'll leave everybody on the cliffhanger and save I've that for our raw anything. ale episode. I never said, never seen anything that says you can't, but. I don't know. We're also breweries are like recently starting to get regulated by the FDA very recently and the Department of Agriculture more recently in the Department of Agriculture. So they're probably there should be, in my opinion, there should be a thing like that. But according to Dogfish Head, they just um, heated theirs up on hot on white hot river rocks and the beer is fermented with German rising yeast. Why and would then- you do the river rocks? I like think just that's to be what they were available. Head. Yeah. What okay. is it? What kind of rock should you do? Does it matter? Maybe because they look nice. No, no, I'm not even thinking rocks at all. I mean, it's it's not like the Norwegians didn't know about like fire and <laughs> like putting your <laughs> putting your beer over a fire. Um, I feel like that's probably just a dogfish head being dogfish head. Well, that that is one of the ways that they heated up sati. I always say back in the day. But y'all know what I mean when I say that back in the day, day. But um, it's also traditionally to have like a long step infusion mash. We're talking like six hours of mashing. Overall, we're talking about this juniper malted beer that is going to have a little bit of SOM acetate character and typically cloudy and low carbonation in a nutshell. To me, it doesn't sound that good. Doesn't sound that good. I like it, but I... Like you mentioned earlier, it's, mm-hmm. and Lars Marius Garshall talks about this in Historical Brewing Techniques, which again, I'm, I keep holding this book yeah. up <laughs> the camera for this, I can see it. <laughs> for this audio medium that we're on, but um, he talks about tasting um, sati specifically at, you know, at these different farmhouses, because again, this is all very much um, farmhouse, you know, it's not there are some craft breweries, but those craft breweries are not this necessarily, but him saying that you, you kind of have to suspend what you think beer tastes like when you taste a lot because it is beer, but it's not, you know, mass produced lager. Like most of us are used to, it's not an IPA. It is a completely different thing that is still beer. It's just not as familiar to us. It's almost like this malted tea alcoholic beverage, 
Right. Well, and a lot of farmhouse and, brewing in particularly in places like Scandinavia in you know, Eastern Europe, um, a lot of it is like you're, you're making like captinis, you know, you're baking your mash or you're using yeah. this kvass, you're making, you're throwing bread in as the way to ferment it because yes. that, that is the spirit of farmhouse. Like it's not all like bucolic, uh, like French and Belgium countryside. It's also farmhouse, like, you know, you, yeah. you can grow rye and you can make bread and you like, you know, you just, that's what is available to you. That's, that's what farmhouse brewing is. So it's not going to taste <laughs> like the very clean, you know, like single strain. We know, we know everything there is to know about all of the ingredients we use typically in American craft brewing. This is not that. Yeah. And they, they produce it on the farmhouses in so many different ways, like taking that baked bread and literally just throwing it into the mash and let that ferment. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe putting it into a separate vessel and ferment it with the bread. I mean, it's really like an, an art of the farmhouse in particular. It's very much the way Saison's were and Bearded Guards were. Let's talk about um, yeah. Gatlandstrika. Yeah, we'll finish up with that, which is supposed to be similar to the Sati, more of like the home-brewed version of Sati. So, you know, uh, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Um, as I continue to interrupt just to pontificate on things. I kind of don't understand, and I'm sure we will find out, but Gotlanserka is such a like very small, and I shouldn't say small, but um, it's a very esoteric style for particularly for American craft. And I know that the Cicerone program isn't just for American beer industry people, but it's like so niche. I don't, I still don't understand why out of all of the beer styles you could add to the Master Cicerone, why this very obscure, this comes from, and, you know, and Lars Garshall argues this in his book that you can't make Gotlandstrika because it's beer from Gotland and it's very specific. And he even talks about like the struggles he had with even trying to figure out what it is. So it's just this very, it's more of a nebulous kind of farmhouse concept. Yeah. And I'm, I've never been quite sure why that was the style that was added to the master Cicerone. I think it's supposed to be similar to Sati um and maybe that's why because sati okay it makes sense that sati's on the syllabus to us right and yes. so now we're masters right so we got to throw in something extra that maybe yeah so it, sure maybe I, it's I, just a yeah. couple of a, they got to throw in something yeah i, I know something. but i feel like there's um what there's is a it? lot of random stuff they could have picked right well and there's a lot of styles that are more like if you look at the brewers association guidelines. So their guidelines are parsed a little bit thinner than the BJCP. They're updated yeah. every single year. Um, and Gotlandstrika is on there, but there are a ton of other styles that are on there that are just as esoteric to us as Gotlandstrika is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a little baffled by why that would be that one specifically. Well, maybe yeah. we'll just ask them. Yeah, we'll just ask them. Um, excuse me, Cicerone, when you are, when you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> could you go ahead and comment? <laughs> right. Cicerone That's, as just one entity that's yes. not made up of several people. No, no, Correct. no, all yeah. of them. When they all listen together at their Monday morning the, the, the spirit, <laughs> the spirit of Cicerone. Okay, everybody, let's get together. It's another false bottom. 
<laughs> Come in, maybe <laughs> we've got we're gonna learn bagels and locks for this. Come on in. <laughs> we should That's, just really put these two in charge of everything. You yeah. Know? Like they don't have to take the test. They're clearly masters. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Jen and I dream about at night. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna wrap this episode up with talking about the Dricka. So got Landstrika. For me, it's a little bit easier to say Dricka, which is the nickname of this beer. Um, but this is a traditional home-brewed alcoholic beverage made on the island of Gotland, Sweden, in the Baltic Sea. Um, I guess it's traditional to this island. I, they even have a, a homebrew competition every year for this style. For this style. It's all this style. Listen, uh, Gotland, yeah. if you guys need beer judges, you just yeah. let me know. Yeah. Just let me know. And I've also will have an army of trained beer judges who happen to be women. And we will just descend on this yeah. island in Sweden <laughs> and judge all of the Dricka. Fall 400 of us. Yes. <laughs> we will out, outnumber out the residents. Two to one. <laughs> There'll be two American women per Gotlandia. <laughs> <laughs> hiri, hiri, because you know it's not 2021 over there. It's right, hiri, hiri. where they also say hiri, hiri. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so this is one of the older styles that is survived on this island and still today brewed. They have their annual Hook Championship, World Brewing Championship, is held in Gotland each autumn. The annual Dricka Brewing. Seems clarify. like that's a little bit of a um, home court advantage since technically it can't be. It's probably America. like seven contestants. Right. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, here's like, here yeah. comes the. Here's the same seven. Weirdos from, yeah. The weirdos <laughs> from the United States who think they're going to win. Okay, yeah. guys. So this is supposed to be closely related to Sati and like Norwegian Malto with like a smoky, bittersweet, spicy from the juniper. We're talking about juniper flavor. Um, Full bodied. ABV anywhere from three to uh, three to 12%. Typically it's unfiltered. Of course it's unpasteurized. This is not going to happen on a brew scale, but usually consumed while it's still young and fermented. So we're talking about a drink, very traditional to back in the day where you need to drink these things fresh and quickly, or they're going to go bad. Um, so this, they do consider this drink different from ale or beer as it like, it was originally served with all meals. Um, like water would be. Uh, this is considered something they would give to young children. They would serve it to everyone. Um, I am assuming that version would be a very low alcoholic version. And so this Swedish was, kids like to party. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And um, so pre-industrialization in Sweden, these drinks were made from malt, juniper, birch sap, and honey. Um, this was supposed to be like a really poor man's drink. But they were, um, these malt drinks were regarded as best for like special occasions though. So weddings, birthdays, stuff like that. So, so from the Viking age until the time of the industrial revolution, brewing ale and dricka on Gotland was traditionally done by women, like everywhere else. The farm's reputation, like I mentioned this early, like we're again, very much at stake when it comes to, you know, I, I tell people like that when I'm just like, someone who doesn't know very much about beer and they're like you know we're just talking about the history of beer and how it got started it's like beer is so much bread it is like the reason why we have civilization i mean 
it is like, no, I am not going to go to your house if your beer is not good. (laughs) I just think that's so cool. I also will not go to someone's house if the beer (laughs) is not going to be good. (laughs) Or just bring your own. Yeah, some things are evergreen. Oh, hey, guys, I brought my homebrew barrel-aged barley wine. If you want some, we got a growler of it right here. (laughs) That's Jen going to uh, Super Bowl. Oh, Jen does not go to Super Bowl games. Jen Jen has nothing to do with Super Bowl anything. I'm just kidding. So this is just a drink. It was everyday brew of the Vikings. So this there is Viking connection to this, like evidence show that this was made during that time all the way till now. So that's pretty cool. Maybe that's why Cicerone picked it because it's surviving. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I feel like lots of lots of styles survive in their own way or come back for a sequel or are you know in their hometown they keep on going but why can't you i mean you can brew it but again it's just a a drink a style correct yes and And i don't think it's going to be very good i think again personally it depends on what your definition is yes Yes. exactly because it is a farmhouse style so you can't or i shouldn't say you can't you certainly can but you maybe shouldn't apply American craft ideals to something that has been around much longer than American craft Mm -hmm. and kind of try to force it into that box. Uh, But this is, I agree with you. So this is another reason why I find it kind of odd that this would be on the exam. Obviously we're not going to get something like a got Landstrica on the tasting exam, but to, you know, really be able to master things, you have to be able to experience them. Mm-hmm. And it's for yeah. the most part, everything else that is on the, you know, on the master Cicerone syllabus and definitely everything that's on the syllabus for, you know, any level below that, you are able to more or less find commercial examples of that. So you can taste it because that's part of mastering the beer style is understanding what it tastes like. But again, mm-hmm. that's why it's always great if you're looking at really any level of Cicerone or even, you know, beer judging, if you can get some kind of brewing experience, whether it's homebrewing yourself, um, joining a homebrew club, seeing, like seeing if you can collaborate with people, basically kind of like contract homebrewing, mm-hmm. um, you know, collaborate with people who will, you know, help you brew this beer or there, I mean, there are some commercial examples. I know Jester King has a gut Lancerka. I think, um, I think off color might also, but again, got, got Lancerka style is yeah. not authentic. Um, but then it's also, you know, how those breweries interpret what that is. And also they need to sell it to the American yeah, consumer. Exactly. Uh, so it's not going to be this you know kind of malt drink yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) no but that's and it's also again this style needs to be consumed young and fresh there's no way it's getting packaged and sent over here so if you want to taste it you probably just gotta get on that plane go to gotland let's go everybody i'm I'm ready we're going so that's going to wrap up our scandinavian beers episode and in case i'm not the master editor that i think that i am (laughs) a couple of times you've heard me talk about you know having this discussion about yeasts and yeast strains uh so rachel and i actually in talking you know there's a lot for us to cover in this farmhouse uh, Scandinavian beers episode. So we're actually going to postpone that conversation to its own episode so we can make sure to give that enough time to really talk about. So 
We're going to wrap up this episode on Scandinavian beers. Thank you for joining us. And we are also recording this in April, actually, apparently on Easter. Um, I yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. But uh, <laughs> you may have seen on social media, and you've probably heard in our last couple of episodes, we are now on Patreon. Uh, so if you are looking for another way to support us, to interact with us, please check us out. We are False Bottom Girls on Patreon. And we would like to say a thank you to our current active patrons. Again, this is, you are hearing this probably six weeks after we've recorded it. So um, if you don't get a personal thank you, know that we record in advance. <laughs> and, um, and we will, we definitely appreciate all of your support, but we would like to thank our patrons, uh, Stacy, Stephen, and Scott. Thank you all for becoming our first Patreons or patrons. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. And we will have our next monthly AMA, which is something that is exclusive to our old ale level patrons. That is going to be, uh, we're doing the, the AMA, so the Ask Me Anythings. Those are going to be on the third Wednesday of each month. And when this episode comes out, that means that we are going to be, um, you'll be able to catch that if you're an Old Ale patron on Wednesday, May 19th, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern. And, you know, what those AMAs are, truly ask me anything. Um, I guess it should be like AUA, ask us anything. Yeah. Uh, but we will be live on Zoom and you will be able to, you know, we can hang out and talk if you have specific questions, um, if you have suggestions, what, well, maybe not suggestions, like we don't, <laughs> we don't need anybody like telling us what they think we should do differently, but <laughs> Um, you know, if it's just like kick back, have a beer, whatever, um, that is available as an exclusive to our old ale level members. And we also, as part of our Patreon, have uh, bonus episodes each month. We do specific styles. So April was box at this point in still in April. Uh, we don't know what our May episode will be about, but that will come out the last week of every month. So that is available to our American Porter and Old Ale patrons. Uh, and with that, we will wrap it up. That is Rachel. That is Jen. Don't get Cheers. confused. <laughs> don't get it twisted. Because <laughs> we make it easy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. For making our dreams possible. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and also I feel like if you're listening, you probably already know this, but you can find us on social media at False Bottom Girls on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. And you can go to our super cool new website that Rachel built for us, falsebottomgirls.com. So and all of our episodes are available on our website as well. Correct. You need an easy place to find them. Yes. And very, very last thing is a request from us. Please take a few moments to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as that helps more people learn about us. So thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. This has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the brewing world go round.